Welcome to the Commonweal Policy Podcast with me, Jonathan Shaffey, the Campaigns Officer here at Commonweal. I'm joined uh, this week by Dr Craig Diel, who's the Head of Policy and Research at the Think Tank and has been busy as ever. Uh, but before we get into the detail of today's discussion, uh, how are you getting on, Craig, and uh, how are you viewing the, the weeks coming ahead as we go into winter? I'm doing um, doing as well as always. Uh, hope you're doing okay yourself, Shabby. Aye, not bad. Um, well, I suppose uh, this this uh, podcast is going to focus on one of our wins, uh, one of the policies which Commonweal pioneered and which this week um, has been brought into being. And of course, I'm talking about the Scottish National Investment Bank. Uh, now, Commonweal has been involved in the policy work around that and the, the campaigning uh, around it. And we thought it would be good and we thought it would be useful for listeners of this podcast to get an overall appreciation uh, of that process. Um, so we're going to start with that. And Craig, I just invite you to just um, give our listeners a bit of a an outline, a, a history of how this, uh, how this came into being. Yeah, so this is something that has been uh, one, of, one of Commonwealth's biggest campaigns. It's, it's certainly our biggest uh, policy win so far, hopefully. Um, we'll break that record sooner or later. Uh, but it's one that's been going on since actually before I joined uh, Commonweal as a, as a full-time staff member. Um, I joined in November 2016, but this, this goes a fair wee bit before that. Uh, the first paper we, we, I mean, the principles of this kind of patient investing goes right back to our founding manifesto in 2014. Um, but in March 2016, uh, we had we published a paper by uh, Gemma Bowen on the, 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 the need for banking for the common good. And that laid out a lot of the principles of why we need this kind of, of, of banking in Scotland and, and um, the you know, what, what's happened to our economy because we don't have it, because we've just got the, the more free market neoliberal type banking that the, the UK enjoys. Um, in October 2016, we then followed that up with a, a blueprint paper uh, written primarily by Laurie McFarlane, who was then working for the, the NEF. It was a joint project between Commonweal and the New Economic Foundation. Um, and, and that kind of kick-started our campaign because now we didn't just have a principle, we had a, we had a roadmap. We had you know, an instruction book on how to actually form an investment bank. Um, and we took it to the Scottish government and <laughs> to our shock, they knocked it back. They, they simply said, we are not interested in doing this. Um, there, there was no discussion and there was to be no discussion. That was it. That was the end of the road. Um, but we kept pushing. We then took the, the paper to a lot of the civil servants who would be working on um, on a policy like this, and they said they they liked it. There was a need for it. And it was possible. Um, we also took it to the, the 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 various other political parties and to the members of the SNP. And just about everyone we found there was really enthusiastic about the paper as well. Um, the it all started to to build a bit of steam in spring twenty seventeen. Um, it came up at the, the SNP conference. There was a lively debate, quite a long debate, quite a detailed debate about it. And the policy ended up passing through that conference unanimously. Now, if anyone knows party conferences, they know how rare that is. O overwhelming votes, yes, but a, an actual unanimous vote is a, a, a very rare and celebrated thing. 
Um, of course, going from party policy to the policy of government takes time as well. Um, but with the, the civil servants saying it was possible and with the, the, the party members saying that it was desirable, that they wanted it, and also with a bit of additional pressure coming in the form of uh, Jeremy Corbyn and his, um, his Labour Party at the time picking up the idea as well. Um, listeners might remember around that time, the Labour Party, the UK Labour Party, started talking about a network of national investment banks and regional investment banks um, across the country, including in Scotland. And that model was essentially taken from us and scaled up. So. The Scottish government now had the, the all all the pieces around them saying that we want it, we need it, and if you don't do it, someone else will. So they took the policy on, um, and started the the consultation process and started the deliberation process. We were invited to play a, a really key and central role to that process. Um, a lot of meetings with. The, the team that was, was starting to build the bank and pushing out ideas. We, we also met with parliamentary committees. We have um, videos online of, of, especially of our director Robin presenting evidence to parliament um, on, on what it would mean, what the bank should do. Um, and here we are, you know, three years after that, uh, the, the bank has now formally launched and has, uh, while there's still a few, um, a few things to do around the the setting of the missions that it's going to be uh, um, following and uh, a few other things embedding in it. It has now announced its first investment projects. And yeah, we can talk about what, what the, the actual bank is, why it is um, structured the way it is, um, if you like. But it's really a, a, a textbook lesson in political campaigning. I, I often say that in politics, everything is impossible until it becomes inevitable. And, and this really was one of those policies that was just flatly pushed back and we were told it's impossible, you're not going to win this. And until we did, and now it's here. It's, it's, it's really exciting to see what it's going to do for Scotland in the years, decades to come. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that's that's right. I mean, first of all, I think that was a very, a very good overview of, of how this process uh, unraveled. But also, just in your last point there about um, a kind of textbook lesson in, in campaigning, I mean, it's no surprise to me, I have to say, that the Scottish government uh, initially just rejected the idea outright, though why they, why they did that and didn't see the merit in it is for, for others to, to consider. Um, but what we can say is that the combination of Commonweal doing the policy work and of SNP members, of grassroots activists within the party, making sure that it got to conference and then delivering that unanimous vote in favour of the Scottish National Investment Bank, then that does show that the combination of both policy and organising in the party structure can, uh, can bring about some, some real, uh, some real um, progress. Um, now, before we get on and talk about the, uh, the situation that's, that the bank is presently in and, and what we want to see happen around it and, and why this campaign really um, isn't over. I'd just um, like to ask, uh, given that this has happened with the, the National Investment Bank, you know, initially rejected but then pushed through, do you think that provides the, the basis for a kind of framework for how we can get other issues going through 
the the party of government and then eventually becoming becoming policy. I mean, do you see this as being something we could we could emulate in other areas? Well, we 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 learned a lot of lessons in political campaigning through uh, fight, fighting for the SNP. Uh, we definitely found that that combination of permission uh, from civil servants and from other stakeholders and, and architects, if you will, of these policies, uh, plus the, the, the grassroots push, either from party members or from the general public, um, is what really, really helped in getting these policies through. And we've, we've emulated that model in, in other areas. We, we use it as part of our campaign to, to help ban fracking, for instance. We've also used it to get other policies passed around our other infrastructure type projects like um, our national infrastructure company, our national energy company, um, the, the Scottish Statistics Agency and, and, and other things that are passed through party conference, albeit um, either haven't quite made it onto government policy book yet or are in the early early stages of, of of that process, um, the, the SNB of, of all, all our major policy successes so far, the SNB, the one that's that's reached um, launch first. Um, yeah. But that um, idea, I mean, we've also used that idea in in, uh, in other areas. We've helped other um, campaign groups use that to, to to forward their ideas, and we've 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 talked about several of them on on the podcast in previous episode previous episodes. I mean, I'm going to just take this opportunity, and I don't normally do this um, uh, as the in the middle of the podcast. But I mean, if you're listening to this and you see the need, the obvious need for this to this kind of work to be done, uh, then you can't really look any further uh, in Scotland uh, than Commonweal. So, if you're not already someone who uh, can donate uh, towards us or who gives us a, a monthly donation, then uh, then please consider that because every penny that you donate. Uh, given that we're only funded by individual uh, donors like the people who listen to this podcast, they do, um, every penny goes towards this kind of work and it, and it brings about real uh, and concrete uh, results. So so well done uh, to everyone who's been involved in this, from the, the grassroots members to the, the policy writers and to, to the think tank in general. It's, it's, it's something to, to really be celebrated. Uh, with that said, though, um, I also want to look at some of the some of the difficulties uh, that uh, that emerge here as well, um, and I know there's a number of areas where we want to maintain um, scrutiny. We want to sustain our our kind of campaign uh, around reaching the full potential uh, of the of the SNB. Um, so I wonder if you could just um, start us off in in that conversation, Craig. If you could just sort of tell us some of the ways in which you feel uh, the potential for this uh, can be reached and some of the, the barriers to that as it, as it presently stands? Well, to do that, we need to understand what the SNB is and why it's different from other um, uh, investment funds and uh, that, ha- that, are, that exist in Scotland. Um, one of the issues we identified in our blueprint paper was there are quite a lot of grant bodies and loan bodies in Scotland. They're often quite small. They often... Um, have shifting criteria about how they, they dole out their money. And if you have a fairly substantial project, it's not always possible to get all of the money you need for that project from one source. Um, if you go into the commercial sector, if you go to the retail banks, you can, but you then go into the, the, the area where these banks are driven primarily by profit. 
and they want their money back. Sometimes they want their money back faster than is is comfortable for uh, you as a company. Sometimes they have they set targets over percentage percentage growth rates in your in in the the project, which might not be suitable. Uh, it can lead to things like pump and dump schemes where you push growth, you push growth, and then the whole thing collapses around you and the investors make off with the money, but you're left with the wreckage. Um, so the, the purpose of the SNIB is to bring in a philosophy of patient finance, one that isn't motivated by getting a return on the investment within a couple of years and uh, then you know abandoning you to the market. It's about helping uh, the project go, th- you know, supporting it for as long as it needs to be supported. Um, at a scale that that allows you know, a project to, to to get the money they need without having to uh, go to a half dozen smaller funds. Um, the other major thing is the SNP is, as I mentioned before, mission directly directed. So the Scottish government uh, will be able to set uh, missions that the bank can then judge its its investing opportunities on which projects it takes on. And these these missions um, will change over time. Right now, the the biggest thing that is facing us is the climate emergency. So it's no surprise that a lot of the missions that are being set for the bank at the moment are deal with that. So it's things like decarbonising Scotland's economy. It's things like providing better housing. There's potential for um, developing different ways of of um, funding renewable energy projects. Um, but you know, we, we see this the SNIB not as a thing for a parliamentary term or even a couple of decades. You know, once we have fixed the climate emergency and we're looking towards the next century, the SNIB should be there to be able to deal with the missions that that you know face our country then. Um, so it's quite a far-sighted project in, in, in that way. This isn't something that will that will be uh, that that hopefully will this is something that will be with Scotland for a long time. You know, we, we do have banks in Scotland that have hundreds of years of history and we hope this, that in time the SNIB will be able to join them. Um, but you're, you're right, there, there have been some issues developing up in how the, the, the SNIB has been formed and some of the structures that, that, that have been put in place that deviate somewhat from our vision. And it's understandable because you have a lot more stakeholders than, than just us involved in creating it. Um, and you have the political dimension, you've got other points of view. No single person has got everything they want out of the SNB. But there are areas that we want to campaign on to help improve it and to help it, it deliver its missions in a more effective way. And uh, after giving that kind of um, just a, a kind of briefing, I suppose for for listeners on on the way the the snib can operate, um, just now give us some some ideas then of what what are those limitations? Do you think what are the kind of things that you want to see Commonweal and others continue to campaign around when it comes to the the, the National Investment Bank? Well. Probably the first one is that it can't be something that is just limited to the financial world. Now, I do understand that big, complex financial institutions need you know, quite specific skills to be able to run them. And some of the people involved during the SNIB have gone out, gone out of the way to say that you need bankers to run a bank. And you know, they might not be entirely wrong there. Um, and there have been some criticisms about the senior people appointed to this bank 
um, because of their background in more conventional investment banking. Uh, and there is, there is a risk that if if those skills bed in and only those skills bed in, then the SNIB could just become another one of those financialising uh, bodies that, that could lead Scotland just down the same path as it's gone with other investment vehicles in the past. So we campaigned, we, we recognised this from an early stage, stage um, right back in our blueprint um, papers. Um, so we campaigned for there to be an advisory body an advisory board to be attached to the bank made up of stakeholders from Scottish society. You know, mm. citizens, um, industry representatives, trade union representatives, third sector representatives, however that stakeholder uh, body is made up. And we wanted that that group to advise the bank directly. Now, we didn't quite win that. We did win the advisory group, but the way it's set up, right now is the advisory group really will advise the Scottish government minister who will then advise the bank. So there's a bit of a, a bit of distance there between the advisory group and the bank that isn't ideal. We would like to see that that, that advisory group given essentially equal status to the bank's governing board and to the Scottish government ministers who will set the missions. Um, that's not to say that the bank will be compelled to follow the, the advice from anywhere it gets. I mean, it has to operate with some degree of independence, but there will be a, a stronger link there to, to to let it listen to that advice, unfiltered by um, political agendas, for instance, because just as we can't allow the bank to fall into the trap of only listening to bankers, we can't allow it to fall into the trap of falling victim to political uh, manipulation as well. Now, so, so we, we need to have those safeguards there. Now, we think that the case has already been proven for that. We've seen in Scotland over the past year or so with the rise of the citizens' assemblies that the people of Scotland are, are, are well-placed to take on the responsibility to be able to, to, to be on boards like this and to give really good advice. So we think that this is, this is one area of, of reform that would be really valuable for the SNP. No, I think that's, um, that's real well put because... We've got a lot of, as, as, as listeners will, will no doubt be aware, our um, thinking when it comes to policy is that there's interlocking features of how our policies would, would work together. So, for example, the Scottish National Investment Bank, the Scottish National Infrastructure Company, um, we're, we've been looking at the uh, having a national pharmaceutical company, for example. All of these, all of these areas uh, of life and of the economy they interlock, they complement each other, but we also want to see democracy run through them as well. We want to see citizens' involvement. We want these uh, structures to benefit society and to have a relationship uh, with society. So when it comes to the Scottish National Investment Bank, you know, as Craig outlines there, we want to see the involvement of Civic Scotland. We want to see the involvement of, of, of citizens, of unions, of, of, of a range of, of groups and organisations. So that's something we'll we'll be continuing to push. We'll be continuing to to campaign on. Um, I suppose just coming um towards the 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 end of the 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 episode, um, Craig, is there anything that you would like to see SNIB dedicate resources to? Is there any area of of either Scottish public life or any um, issue um that uh, you think that we are contending with at the present moment that you feel would would benefit from this kind of uh, investment bank. I mean, 
I, I suppose the obvious, uh, I suppose the obvious issues is uh, matters arising around climate change and around uh, green jobs and that sort of stuff. And we've we've just come off the back of the, the kind of disastrous um, uh, news coming out of Bifab. Uh, and I just wondered, do you see any um, parallels that could be drawn, any areas of synergy between uh, between these issues? Right. So one of the things that the bank is really pushing um, is patient investment in small and medium companies. Um, and actually, the very first uh, piece of investment announced is to a, is to one of these companies is actually to a, um, the, uh, the the company I worked for before I got into politics. M squared lasers back in my laser days. That was a, a bit of a surprise to hear. Um, so if any of my old colleagues are are listening in in the podcast. Uh, I am. <laughs> that's what I've been up to for the past few years. Um, and, it, you know, investment in SMEs is going to be a core part of, of the bank, but it shouldn't be the sole um, mission. It shouldn't be the sole area of investment. Um, we, we've called for the bank to, to really look broadly when it comes to fulfilling its missions. So one thing we have called for and we have a policy an extensive blueprint policy paper on this is how the SNB could be potentially used to build zero carbon green new deal compliant houses for public rent then the advantages of this well if people who, who get one of these houses get an absolutely top class house don't need to worry about heating bills uh, and have a house that's future proofed for the the, the climate emergency um, but the, the rent that comes back from that house, from the tenants, will go to paying back the finance used to build them and then go and, and provide a, a really stable um, part of the bank's portfolio. And similar with things like renewable energy. We all need energy, which means that investment in renewable energy is, is an extremely stable and low risk form of investment. Once the, the project is up and running, it will just generate income. By diversifying the portfolio that way, that allows the bank to take on slightly riskier projects, like maybe funding expansions in SMEs in, into ventures that may or may not work. You know, if, if, if too many companies do fail um, with with um, after getting investment from the SNB, and remember they, they will probably be getting investment that they couldn't get from elsewhere. Um, so it might be talking about slightly riskier projects or at least projects that require more patience than the retail banking sector would offer, then if the portfolio is too geared towards those slightly riskier investments, it could be destabilizing for the SNB. So we need that kind of broad, balanced, stable portfolio that allows it to take on the, the projects that could be of great benefit, but might involve a little more risk. Well, um, there's certainly uh, a lot of big issues that we have we've got to tackle. Um, it's been uh, a fantastic development to see the opening of of SNB, and it's been um, all to the good that Commonwealth has played such a, a positive role uh, within that. Um, we wanted to to focus obviously the, the episode on that, but there also has been uh, another um, very good uh, development coming out of the Scottish Parliament uh, uh, this uh, week among the. The general gloom, um, and that is the um, the piece of policy that's been piece of legislation that's been passed through the Parliament um, that is opening the door to free um, uh, sanitary products um, and for 
uh, the campaign um, around that to be to be uh, met with 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 a full victory um, led by Monica uh, Lennon uh, and others, um, and um, the the bill to make period period poverty history um, is uh, is something which is is really uh, impressive and something which will bring about concrete um, gains for 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 women and their women and girls in their in their daily lives and. And Craig, this is something we at Commonweal uh, very much welcome uh, and very much congratulate everyone who's been uh, involved uh, in that in that work. And again, this is something that once it got to Parliament, um, it was just such an obvious, obviously good policy uh, that it passed unanimously. Um, just as at conference, um, unanimous uh, victories at Parliament are a rare thing, and it's even rarer to talk about them when they've been initiated by an opposition MSP. So um, massive congratulations to, to everybody involved in, in that campaign. And if people want to uh, just see the response and, and, and find out more information, the hashtags that are being used are, are hashtag period dignity, hashtag period poverty, and hashtag free period products. Um, so um, some good news uh, this week. We've got a lot to do though we have serious challenges coming down the line, as everyone knows. Um, we are um, engaged, uh, Craig and I, in, in lots of meetings uh, going on behind the scenes. Uh, we are planning, uh, uh, as we've mentioned previously uh, on this podcast, we're planning uh, for next year a, a very substantial campaign around the uh, Resilient Scotland papers. And uh, we'll be taking that to every town and city across Scotland. And we really want to make a big impact. We want to do what we did with SNIB, but we want to do even bigger and with more impact. So uh, we will be focused on that. Uh, and with that, um, we will be back next week. And we look forward to you tuning in again then. <laughs>